You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can get me at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by Patrick Sheldon. You can read him on DeWindy City as part of the Fan Sided Network. You can find him on Twitter at P underscore Shells. I'm also joined by Jack Wright. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, you can find him at Bear Down Jack. Now, Brennan Chagru should be joining us here in a second. If you want to read that assistant editor from Bear Wire. You can get him uh, on Twitter as well at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Now, Logan Bradley will not be joined to us, but you definitely saw him on the pregame pod, or you heard him rather on the pregame pod. If you want to hit him on Twitter, it's at Bear Down Bradley. Now, boys, I said it at, at uh, in a tweet that this is probably the most frustrating loss that I've seen uh, so far in the season. Now, Shells, I know you definitely did not agree with that. Um, and so I'd love to go a little bit back and forth on that as, as much as you'd like. Why Why weren't you frustrated by this loss in particular? Because I think it's important to sort of um, go back in time and go back to the beginning of the season and and remember where your expectations were for this team. And then even go four or five games into the season, right? Like the beginning of the season – we recognize this team stunk and the offensive line was terrible and the skill position players were subpar and they're down two starting offensive linemen today alone, right? Jenkins isn't there. Patrick isn't there. So they're playing with an even worse offensive line. And at the beginning of the season, we said, we just want to see some progress and growth from Justin Fields. Like that's what this season was about. We just wanted to see growth. Okay. And then the first few games happened and they were scoring like 15 points a game. And we were like, God, we just want to see a competent offense. If we could just see a professional NFL offense, that would be great. And then through literally like just miraculous play, Justin Fields, superhuman play. He manages to to get this team to a point where they're scoring. They're averaging over 30 points a game over their last four games. And we have reporters who are bitching and moaning about like the inability to throw on fourth down or excuse me in the fourth quarter. And it, it's a narrative that's been pushed for the last few weeks. And it, it's bothered me because it lacks any context and they tweet stuff out without adding all the other stuff that I think is necessary. Um, the fourth quarter in the Vikings game, they were driving and Amir Smith Marset fumbled the ball. The fourth quarter in the Commanders game, Justin Fields threw two game-winning touchdowns. One was dropped by Pettis, uh, even though it was arguably a pass interference call. One was dropped by Mooney. The Dolphins game, they threw in the fourth quarter. Equimanius St. Brown dropped a, a crucial catch in the fourth quarter. So, like, I get it. They they haven't had that marquee come from behind win in the fourth quarter where Justin Fields passes them to victory, but it's not for a lack of trying. It's for a lack of skill. Um, he's doing everything he can. And it's, it's goddamn remarkable what he's been able to accomplish without any talent. So 
go back and level set with what your expectations were at the beginning of the season and compare them to where this team is now offensively. And for that reason, when I do that, I I'm not that disappointed in today's loss. This, this is what we kind of expected in terms of their win loss record and, and how they perform. But the offense has been phenomenal guys. Like I I'm just, I'm pumped about that. I'm very excited. I, wholeheartedly agree with you sheldon and i i think i have been that guy every single week the why are we why would we be unhappy this roster is terrible and the offense is humming and let's just enjoy it but not this week this week was different this is a bottom five roster that they played against they are a bottom five roster like both teams are are hot garbage rosters but this is a team that you should beat if we're an ascending team if justin fields is an ascending quarterback if if eberflus is an ascending coach right uh the 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 penalties that 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 permeated throughout this entire game the just loss in a close game the conservative play calling when it was time to put your foot on the gas you know what i mean i i this was a bad loss and it left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't, I don't foresee the bears winning a lot of other games this season. And this is a team that the bears should have beat. And I, and I'm frustrated by that. You know, I, I shells you, you're dude. I love arguing with you. You always bring up such excellent points, but on this one, dude, I just, I, I am more frustrated than I have been even at the Washington game and maybe at the Washington game. Cause I was there with a bunch of guys from around the world and that was fun, but I, I was not nearly as frustrated as I am today. See, I don't know why we say they should have beat the lions. They're they're roster wise. They're both terrible. They're both bottom five teams in the NFL. Like I know that we think the bears are somehow better because we're bears fans, but talent wise guys, we're on par with the lions right now. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Like it, it is, it is, through sheer will and and um, grit and determination that Justin Fields has put this team on his back and willed the offense to score as many points as they are. This offense is terrible. The defense is terrible. This roster is is terrible. Um, and that's but okay. So, we but so is the that, de- but but so is the Detroit Lions roster. Right. It's but, also, it's also right. equally trash. That's so, why first it was road a win. Up. That's first why road. it was a three point a three uh. point spread at home. I don't think we can say they should have beat the Lions. This was a complete toss up game. First road win in Dan Campbell's coaching career. Oh, that just makes me sick. That, that dude, that dude should be fired. He he shouldn't he shouldn't have he he should not have a job right now. And instead, we're talking about how I mean he outcoached Matt Eberflus. Like that that that's gross. That's gross to me, dude. Okay, uh, we'll we'll get into this when we get to the outhouse and the penthouse. Alan Williams, man, like. Yes, there is no talent on that roster, but I swear that dude watches no film throughout the week. And I'm obviously I'm I'm half kidding here. Right. And then at halftime, he's like, oh, I should make adjustments and, and really try to play some defense. I mean, I don't I don't know. Like this coaching staff, it's back and it's forth. And yes, if this is all about learning, then then I'll I'll take my frustrations and I'll and I'll put a giant, you know, pause on them. But I just this this was it was a bad game just all across the board. They they let me say, I'll say this shells. They were up 14 points. It should have been it. This should have been the game. They, they never, ever should have let Detroit back into that game. That's what uh, they have teams just, to do though. <laughs> I'll just give you my two cents real quickly. I'm, I'm with Ryan. I feel really frustrated. I wasn't even in the, the moral victory camp from last week with the dolphins, but this one really just kind of hammered home. And, and I do, I do look at things 
obviously we want the quarterback to be right. We like what we see from the quarterback with Justin Fields. I think he just continues, even when the lions are actually like hitting him a lot more and are putting themselves in positions to stop fields. They can't, but I look at it as just a bigger picture and just the entire team. And I know things are going to look different, but I'm just amazed at how this defense over the last three weeks has went from uh, maybe an overachieving unit, but a unit that was able to make stops when they needed to, to one of the like bottom five defenses in the league. It's incredible just of what what's happened. And yeah, like when you have things like ticky tacky penalties, you have the most penalties that are being called. It's really frustrating. And these are some of the things that we don't, we were told and we've seen that we weren't going to see anymore from a bears team like this. So yeah, I, I, maybe the lions aren't, maybe the bears aren't better than the lions, but it was a winnable game. And it is frustrating. So I understand that we're happy that Justin Fields continues to play well. But yeah, I'm frustrated that we just can't stack wins and we can't see other parts of the team step up when they need to. I think you make a great point. I mean, a moral victory and a loss is still two losses. I feel I feel a little bit like that, like when you're a little kid and you're like trying to balance yourself on the curb. You know, like how how long can I go on the curb? Like part of me is over here being trying to be objective and being a casual observer, checking all the boxes that you said. Shells like new coaching staff, young quarterback, terrible roster, a lot of cap room, a lot of all of those rational things that we've talked about. And the other part of me just going like, man, that was really fun coming off that Miami game, and we were like kind of close. And I thought. You know, I mean, again, I think your points are all valid, but I, I just kind of thought we'd handle Detroit and freaking lost to Detroit. And that just kind of sucks to lose to Detroit. And I, I'm still of the mind that all of those other things that you said and that we've said about the future of the Bears and their current status and the roller coaster nature of an inconsistent, anemic roster, I, I get all of that. I, I just, I had a bad football day, guys. And the Bears losing and the Packers winning was a part of it. I, it was almost like, who do you cheer for? Because you got a former Green Bay head coach that shouldn't be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. And he somehow got out coached and lost, even though his roster's better. And Aaron Rodgers, anytime he wins, it just blech, makes me want to yak. Can you imagine if we just, if we did what Rodgers does to LaFleur, like when we didn't like something that you did, Dangle? That'd be like just all of a sudden out of nowhere, we just launch on you like you freaking idiot, Ryan. What are you doing in that particular transition? That was shit. You're shit. (laughs) That guy is is a POS man of the highest degree. Hey, guys, uh, looking for a great haircut. I see a few of them on the show tonight. Uh, Not me, of course. One of them is not me, but uh, some great looking haircuts on the pod tonight. And I know they all get their haircut at one place, one place only. And that is Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in an historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 68 years with seven barbers. They're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. You can book your appointment online or by the phone at your convenience. You can visit Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or call 630-668. 0137 and book your appointment today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. There are only two things that can cheer me up right now. Number one is that my fantasy team is annihilating Jack Wright's fantasy football team. So I'm very happy about that. Justin Fields, uh, my fantasy quarterback, uh, nearly 40 points. And 
tight end for the Chicago Bears that's been playing particularly well. Cole Komet, uh, he's got almost 30 points. So that was freaking awesome. Absolutely love that. Oh, and the other thing, other than my fantasy football team, would be Brendan Chagru breaking down this game. Let's hear it, baby. We go to Soldier Field on the lakefront in Chicago where the Bears welcome the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell Soup with his chunky band of misfits. Both teams exchanged a pair of field goals before Jared Whooping Goff decided to spread his germs, I mean the ball, to his receivers. Goff was expecting a red wave when he fired a pass to Brock right wing, but he caught a touchdown wearing blue. Hmm, makes you think. The Bears then went on a school fields trip to the Truck Museum, where the team's quarterback sent the Lions defenders home with permission slips after destroying them on a touchdown run. Then Cole Kermit the Frog made his return and was gonzo with not one, but two touchdowns. He's loving on that Miss Piggy skin this week, boys. The Lions responded then with DeAndre Taylor Swift scoring a touchdown. It's me. Hi, I'm the ball carrier. It's me. Then things got dicey for the Bears when Fields threw up a pass to Jeff Okuda B now. Who took it for a pick six? But just like Detroit's economy, Okuda's stock wouldn't stay high for long. Fields gashed the Lions' defense before they could be bailed out. And Okuda was caught looking like he just went bankrupt on the sidelines. It was all for naught, though, because Cryo Santos went ice cold missing a PAT. And Detroit stormed back into the spotlight like Eminem and went lose themselves, winning 31-30 on a late touchdown. Raise your hand if you got the T-Swift reference. I'm raising my hand. I, I did not. I'm assuming it's a lyric to a song. Oh, man. I even went with the easy one, too. That yeah. Was the meme that's you guys got to get TikTok. You should probably get TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, uh, fun, no. Fun fact. I wrote that in uh, 10 minutes ago because I've been dealing with a migraine all day. Oh, <laughs> man. Sorry to That's why that, I've dude. been kind of MIA today, boys. But, hey, I hope it was good. So that's like the two out of three weeks that Shagru has stepped up under subpar circumstances, lack of sleep, not not feeling good. So he's he's a gamer, dude. He's a I'm gamer. Trying. I yeah. think part of it, not to be like the old man here, but it's definitely the weather because it we had a 40 point swing the last two days and it's messing with my head. Absolutely. But you're not going to blame your receivers like Aaron Rodgers. You, you, I like how you just, you know, I take accountability and and blame the weather too. (laughs) So boys, I want to shake it up a little bit because we kind of talked a bit about the game. So let's do this. What we're going to do is we're going to go, we're going to head to the outhouse in the penthouse first, and then we'll maybe have a little bit more time for the things that we missed um, after we hit our true false for the evening. So boys, it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. The Outhouse and the Penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Interest rates are up. Prices are up. Is real estate dead? It's not. But when you have questions, Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties, Christie's International has your answers. Jeff's 15 years of experience have been featured in Chicago Magazine and even in Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. To contact Jeff, visit GenevaJeff.com today. If you talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys of the Bear Down Chicago podcast sent you over. Seriously, shoot him a shoot him a shoot him an email, talk to him, get that stuff. Geneva Jeff, that's the way to do it. All right. So boys, uh Bears lose. So it's time to go outhouse penthouse. For this week, I'm gonna go Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. Outhouse first, boys. 
I'm going to take a little bit of a different route and I'm going to put Equinemia St. Brown in the outhouse. One, not only for being the lesser talented St. Brown brother that we are saddled with and not Amon Ra, who just absolutely torched the Bears today in leading the day's leading receiver. But Equinemius wasn't targeted in the past game. He had just two rushes for nine yards. And he's running his mouth this week. I know it's like fun trash talk and everything with his brother Amon Ra, but he's like, oh, we're, we're, I'm going to be the, the much more talented receiver. Our quarterback's going to win. We have all this. Man, you're not doing jack shit, okay? Like he's one of those guys that'll just talk all that talk, but sit on the bench and not do anything and then make his teammates kind of pick up the slack for him. I don't know. I just kind of was like bothered by that because – Again, I know it's fun. It was a fun thing with brothers, but just listening to, to him try and trash talk, I'm like, you're not going to be a part of this victory. There's no way in hell. So I'm just putting Equinemius St. Brown, not only for his play, but for his trash talk because it sucks. My outhouse goes to Jalen Johnson, and I talked about it a little bit last week. I, there were a couple of plays in the Miami game where he just kind of looked out of position and lost and got burnt. And I just haven't seen a lot from him this year. At a, at a macro level, I get the defense stinks, but at a micro level, and again, we allude to this over the last couple of weeks, you expect certain players, the big time players to still play well. You expect Eddie Jackson to show up every week. You expect um, uh, Jalen Johnson to show up every week, and he hasn't. And uh, today was another example where there were just a, a number of plays where I'm like, where the F is Jalen Johnson? What is he doing on that play? How how is a team that has a dearth of wide receivers um, getting this open across the field? Like how is Amon Ra getting open all the time? How is, who is it like Kennedy from the real world getting open uh, almost every play. It's just like, I, I don't know. I see, I see him on the field and I, I envision him as a shutdown corner, uh, but I haven't seen it this year. He is allowing the other team's number one wide receiver to, to walk all over him week after week. And it's starting to concern me. Um, I don't know if we can go into next season at this point, feeling confident he's the shutdown corner that we all hoped he would be in, in you know, in his what third year. Um, so he's going to be my outhouse and we'll probably stay there for the foreseeable future until I see more from him. That gives me confidence. He's the guy we, we think he is and want him to be. I just have one quick question for you shells. Cause I, I think that's very valid. And he was on my list too. Johnson's eligible for an extension next year. Do you pay him right now? Like right now going into the office, you know, I love to extend Johnson's, but I think at this point I'm not going to do it. You, uh, you come on, Chico. I felt like you cakewalked him. Man. I, I know. I felt like I felt like that was intentional. Was that intentional? Which is so funny. I, I, I was kind of wondering if you're going to go that route. <laughs> so when this team couldn't score more than 16 points, Jalen Johnson was shutting everybody down. And now all of a sudden, since the offense can score points, Jalen Johnson, he looks just awful. It's just weird. I don't get it. Yeah. I think he's dealing with a, a relatively serious oblique injury. Which, he uh, is, yeah. But what about the last? Injury? What about the last couple of weeks, though? True, it's fair. Uh, Shells, I thought of you today. Uh, my, my dog puked twice. Well, that was <laughs> unfortunate. Uh, I'm glad uh, I'm the first thing that came to your mind <laughs> after dog vomit. Yeah, <laughs> dog vomit. Shells, dude, hey. you, you're not having a bad football day. You're having a bad day. Good God, man. 
All yeah, right. you're right. Let me hear. Let me hear how I reminded you of dog vomit. Well, yeah, poor, I, I got to hear uh, this. You're poor. You're a little guy who was struggling. Oh. You know, you're, you're a sick little guy. But I think probably you know my dog's pukes coincided with the Bears' defense. The Bears' defense is in in my outhouse. They have. I mean, it, it, we seem to like make Jared Goff look like he's like a pro like bowler, a, like a good quarterback, which he's not. That, yeah, you say that all the time, right? I'm like, like, what are we watching here? Why is why is Goff dicing us? Uh, I mean, we just it was two sacks all game. When we needed pressures, we didn't get pressures. Uh, there was two pass deflections, only three quarterback hits. Uh, the secondary let us down today. Um, I mean, we're not causing any fumbles. I think there was one fumble and we didn't get to it. Uh, we're not intercepting the ball on defense. I mean, you you mentioned it all earlier, Shiguru, and I understand that they're like way understaffed at this point, but that doesn't make it any more fun to watch. And so, uh, both Cooper and I, my dog Cooper, uh, we're puking uh, while we sit in the Bears defensive outhouse. Nine penalties, boys. That that was bad. Bad, 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 bad football. There were times where it's like, you didn't need to do this. You didn't need to do that. Now, Shagru has said it so well. I don't like being the the refs ruin the game, but it sure as hell felt like they did. And here's the thing that really stood out to me is that I talked to a Detroit Lions fan who said, yes, that should have been pass interference on Cole Komet. And uh, yes, that was like ticky tack, uh, you know, the, the, the hands to the face that didn't actually hit the face, hit the, hit the chest. Come on, man. So, but even aside from that, the, the bears looked like a very undisciplined team. And I don't know what it was because I, I think Matt Eberflus has done an exceptional job as Jack has t- said it time and time again, limiting the penalties of this team. But for some reason today, they just said, nah, just whatever, we're going to throw all of our discipline out the window. I, I think it reflects badly on the coaching staff. Uh, I don't know if they just look past this team. You know, they're coming off of of uh, of a tough loss against Miami, whatever it was. That sucked, boys. Sucked bad. It really seemed like, I don't know if I want to give credit to this because I hate it, but it really seemed like the Lions were prepared to kind of have some flopping here and there. You know, golf flopped on the sideline. You just mentioned the Jalen Johnson thing. And part of me can't really blame the refs because, you know, if they're seeing something like that in real time, you should stay like calls like that should be reviewable. But man, it it really seemed like the Lions had a plan of we're going to sell some of these calls and it worked. That that just makes it worse. I if that still, yeah, if that's true, then I mean, I mean, am I wrong? It looked like no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I mean, I know if you, if you love soccer out there, then great. I know it's a challenging game, but I mean, we're not the NBA. <laughs> we're not soccer. Like when, is it, when we start flopping in the NFL, that's gonna that is going to uh, denigrate the whole game. All right, boys, let's head out to the penthouse. The penthouse. We're gonna go reverse order. So we're gonna go Jack, Patrick, Sheldon, Brennan, Shagru, and I will finish it up. Let's go to the penthouse, boys. Let's go to Notre Dame elite tight end Cole Komet, who had. An amazing game. He's had a string of amazing games, in fact. He had two touchdowns, including a long of 50 yards, got behind the defense, 
Uh, caught a nice ball. I think he had to fight the sun a little bit on that one. I think that's why it looked like it was a little precarious there for a moment. Uh, but he came down with it, uh, outran the defense. He's been more versatile lately. He's been more athletic. He's been a bit more sure-handed. Uh, we've debated a little bit in our text thread uh, about his overall value, but I don't think there's any denying that he's been a major impactful player on offense recently. And here's a big one for me. He's finding the end zone, and that's been uh, something that I have constantly tried to highlight lately is I don't really care who they are. We need offensive players who have a nose for the end zone, who can score points. Montgomery doesn't do it. Mooney hardly ever does it. So who gets in the end zone? That's what I, I have time for those guys. Five touchdowns in, in three games. I also think the stat, I think Dan Pompey was the one who said it, but Cole Komet is now second among tight ends for total touchdowns behind only Travis Kelsey. Yeah, we're let's all right. We're not let's comparing. Go. I know you got you guys are trying to bait me, but we're not comparing. No, that's uh, a, uh, it's, it's a fact. He's caught five <laughs> touchdowns in three games. How are you not excited about this? Yes, he doesn't play you tight end. Whatever the hell argument you've got this week, Shells. How can you not be so excited about how he's playing over these last three weeks? I I am excited. I, I'm just not like I, I don't know. I he's not. He's still, to me, he's not the player that you should have drafted in the second round. And he is catching wide open passes. And I, I'm, that's great. Like, but I think any competent tight end in the league should be able to do what he's done over the last couple of weeks. He's still, to me, not the guy that can get open when you need him, need him to. He cannot make adjustments in the air or to the ball. And, and, and he's not, you know, very good with his hands. He's not very good with his body. He's not agile. He's not quick. He's a guy who I've said time and time again, he can be a, a safety valve for fields. He can get schemed open. He can find the soft spots in the zone and he can do exactly what it is they've been doing with him. And that's great. I think Nagy misused him. And I think they thought they were getting a U tight end, uh, thought he could be somebody that he's not. And they misused him. I'm glad to see that the bears offense is finally using him the way he should be used, but like they need to upgrade at the tight end position. Like they just do. Um, and I think he'll be more effective Cole Komet when they do get a, a competent U tight end. Um, but I, you know, that's, I mean, he's doing what I expect a tight end to do catch wide open passes uh, for my penthouse. I'm going to go with Jack Sanborn. Uh, he should have had a, a, an interception that got taken away by a, a terrible call. Uh, and he had a sack today. He played, I thought, pretty well in coverage. He had um, a play where he kind of like uh, shot across the line. And, and and I mean, granted, it was Jared Goff, but he took out Jared Goff, who I, I thought was going to score on the play, um, he, all in, in, in Roquan Smith's absence. So I think, you know, that's a good news story for the Bears. They're getting some decent play of an undrafted free agent. Let's see what he's got the rest of the year. But I thought he played a hell of a game um, and probably should look better in the box score than it did because of the refs. Yeah, I really love what I saw from Sanborn. And really, honestly, from all the linebackers, I think they really stepped up this week. I'm going to take the easy the easy play and pick Justin Fields. Once again, just a phenomenal performance. Passing-wise, 12 for 20. 167 yards. He had the two scores to commit. He did have that one interception. Admittedly, that was probably the one of the worst throws I've seen him make. It was so ill-advised. But then he responds with a 67 touchdown run, touchdown yard run. 
And oh my God, the entire Lions defense was there and he just blew past them. And you saw Jeff Okuda basically turn on the Jets like, oh shit, this guy's really fast. Like I'm going to try to get him down, but there was no way. I mean, he had 147 rushing yards, 13 carries. Of course, I just mentioned the the two touchdowns, sorry, rushing. So four total touchdowns, man, the guy just continues to make something out of nothing. And I know like better days are ahead with the passing receivers got to get better. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to see more from guys like Chase Claypool, especially with players like Nikhil Harry being down, but just again, anytime he touches the ball, he's a threat. And I think somebody forget who it was. I apologize, but they said it's Devin Hester who can throw the ball like unreal. How many more plays did he have this week where he was scrambling and keeping his eyes downfield? I mean, it's just, it's more growth week after week with him. It's so cool to see. Guys, we're getting a little bit of slim pickings. Are you okay if I give a quick honorable mention and then move on to my actual one? Are we okay with that? Sure. Uh, Just quick honorable mention to uh, Justin Jones, who played defensive line and had three solo tackles, two tackles for a loss. I just thought, you know what, this defensive line is is just awful, terrible, no good. But I thought he played pretty well at times. But my actual one is going to go to Khalil Herbert. Uh, 10 rushes, 57 yards at 5.7 a carry, but also uh, kick returning. He had that really, really, really nice one. Uh, So two returns for 67 yards, 33.5 average. Uh, It showed a little bit of a burst today. And I do think uh, that we, we do love David Montgomery. We know that he can pass block a little bit better, but Khalil Herbert needs to be running the ball more than 10 times, Um, you know, I don't, I don't can't be too mad because the way that this team has put up 200 yards rushing plus, but I thought Khalil Herbert uh, played a good game. Could I posit the remark that while I fully understand keeping Monty for his ability to pass block, I'm kind of done with him in the running game. I I don't know. I just, I don't see, I don't know. He's, he's what slightly above average. Okay. Well, yeah. Let, let's let's okay. Just look at this because they were so close in amount of carries. So Herbert had 10 carries for 57 yards, 5.7 a carry. Dave Montgomery, one less carry nine carries for 37 yards, 4.1 average. I mean, that that's pretty much on par with what they've been doing for season. Uh, Montgomery is not the better back in this system rushing. I think we've talked about that at, at nauseum. So let, let's move on boys. All right. We got a lot of good true falses in from our listeners the first one is going out to our guy tim whitehead at tj whitehead 51 the bears need to consider a cornerback with their top pick in 2023 let's go patrick sheldon brennan chagru jack wright and i will finish it up i i gotta say false um they they need to have their top corners play better right they just spent a second round pick on a corner they had a, a second round pick who's not playing the way we want him to play in Jalen Johnson. Um, Duke Shelley had a nice pass breakup today for the Vikings in the uh, Bills game, which wasn't cool to see. Um, Vildor has been playing better this year. Uh, they just need, they need the guys they have to step up and play better. They have too many other needs to um, spend a top pick on a cornerback. Uh, maybe in free agency, they upgrade if they feel the need. Um, but I, I can't, I can't spend a top pick with all the other needs right now. 
I guess I'll say true just just in the sense of you should at least consider it because if there is that can't miss prospect that falls to you or something happens like I don't know if there's a sauce gardener in the upcoming draft I think it's worth considering I still wouldn't necessarily take it especially with the other needs but I think like a good GM you should pick the best player available and it should be a consideration at the very least the the secondary hasn't performed maybe to expectations. You see some flashes from Kyler Gordon, but we just talked about Jalen Johnson kind of, you know, on the downturn. And remember, he was kind of in the doghouse early on in the offseason. He was running with the twos. Who knows how, I guess, how much this coaching staff really buys into him. So I, I just make it a consideration at the very least. I'm going to say false, and I'm going to take the best pick available argument off the table because that's a great argument. Uh, you, you need Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> you need you need a, a, a playmaking edge rusher. You need a playmaking three technique. You're going to need a linebacker. Uh, I agree with Shells. Let's get the guys that we have to play better. Uh, again, there's so many needs, but I, I think there are other needs that are, are going to be uh, higher on the totem pole than than that. Tim, it looked true today because Kyler Gordon didn't show up on the stat sheet uh, and Jalen Johnson got burnt like toast. Uh, so the, the two corners looked really bad. But Patrick Sheldon made a good point in our text chain, which is this defense is predicated on a pass rush that hasn't existed pretty much since Robert Quinn left town, even though Robert Quinn wasn't the one that was creating the pass rush. You guys understand what I'm saying. Um, and so I think that if you can get a really good Pass rusher, if you can get a really good D tackle, I think that changes things for corners. At least I hope Jalen Johnson played well at the beginning of the season. Hopefully he can get it back. This from our guy, uh, Jalen Short. Jalen is a good dude. He is the host of the Head Honcho uh, Sports Podcast. Check it out. It's really, really good stuff. Jalen is a good dude. True or false? The more losses that the Bears have and Fields looks amazing in those games is better than them winning right now. For this, let's go Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. I say false. I'm sorry. I know we talked about this earlier about just kind of like the quarterback looking really, really good, but still losing. I think at some point losses do kind of affect a person's mentality. And you kind of saw fields today. Uh, I think it was Lester Wolfon who tweeted it out. On the Bears All Access, they said Fields was sitting at his locker with this uniform on for 45 minutes, just staring kind of that like, you know, I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm just distraught or something. I want to see wins with this quarterback and I want to see wins because of this quarterback. I understand the losses are going to help draft position, but I, I just am not in that nature. I'm really sorry. I can't. I don't root for losses. I think winning with this team and with this core, this young core will benefit them in the future. I'm going to say false for some of the same reasons. And I, I'm kind of with you. It might not be like a completely indefensible argument. It may not be completely rational, but I just, the idea of tanking for a higher draft spot, there's nothing I like about that. I mean, I suppose I would like it when they draft higher and higher. And I, and I understand that uh, maybe that's just something old school about me. I, I just, it doesn't sit well with me to think like, oh, that's cool. We lost again. Let's get a higher draft pick that, that just doesn't jive with my soul. I don't, I don't like it. I do love that he's getting better. I love to see his growth, but I would like to see wins.
I agree with both of you. I'm going to take the other position just to play devil's advocate, even though I agree with you, but here's what I'll say. Um, they're not trying to lose. And I think that in this draft with the number of quarterbacks that could be available, right? There are, there are three quarterbacks that teams are going to be interested in the number of needs that the bears have. If they can somehow land a top three, four pick and parlay that into two or three additional picks, right. Uh, to fill some of those needs, that is a good thing. That is in the long run, um, you got to weigh, is that more valuable than the, the deleterious effect that losing is going to have on this team? And I don't know what, what the answer to that is, but um, it, it can be a good thing for sure. If they can get a top pick and, and trade the, you know, a team is willing to trade the farm to move up to get a Stroud or a, you know, um, Bryce Young. Uh, so it can be a good thing, but I, I think personally, I tend to agree with you guys. Uh, I'd rather see him start to win a couple of games just for their own well-being. I see what Jalen is saying. And up until this week, I would totally agree with you. Again, you know, the offense was was humming and, and it was going well. It was fun. Like, yeah, hey, we lost. You know, Dolphins clearly have a better roster. But at some point, losing starts to eat away at things a little bit. And if if a team is not you know, taking some wins, I think that starts to eat away at culture a little bit. People start, you know, to, to stop trusting coaching staff and, and some of their teammates and things like that, that, you know, people aren't going to be there. And I, I just think that can be really destructive. And I would like to see a few more wins this season, but boys, I don't, I don't know if I see where that's going to happen, you know, on this schedule that's left over. All right, boys, we got a couple left here. Uh, Michael Gus and I know how this one is going to go, but we're going to put it out there anyway. True or false, Cole Komet is a top 10 tight, top 10 tight end in the NFL right now. We're going to go Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, Brendan Chagru, and I'll finish it up. I, t- I mean, I don't know. I don't have the effing list of tight ends in front of me, but I'll say what I said earlier. Like, he's a productive tight end right now, and Getsy's doing a hell of a job scheming him open. And when, you know, you look at some of the plays today, um, again, like he's doing what an NFL tight end should do. He's catching passes that he should catch. Uh, to me, I cannot put him in a top 10 anything until he starts making dynamic plays. He starts making plays for his quarterback um, that some other tight ends are making, right? Like, that that ball today, yeah, it could have been pass interference, but again, like that's a play that you want your dynamic second round tight end to go up and make. Um, there have been a number of plays where he's in traffic, and I just I just don't see the hands and the athleticism and the agility to go up and, and battle a guy. So what I want to see from him next in his development is in the red zone going up against that defensive back or that linebacker embodying him for a touchdown instead of catching the easy ones wide open in the end zone, right? Like that's when I'll start to put him in the top tier. Um, again, his production's great and I'm happy with it and keep using him the way you are. Um, but w- we need to manage expectations about who we think he is as a tight end. And Bears just need to upgrade that position, in my opinion. That's a tough one. That's a good one, Michael Gus. I'm going to say... I'm going to say false. He's still outside the top 10. I do think, though, and maybe I'm mishearing you, Shells, that I mean, I, 
you you think that the Bears drafted him with the expectation that he would have the skill set of a of a Kittle or of a Kelsey? Like that's what I, you? Yeah, I don't I don't know why you would take him where they did in the second round above some of the other plays that were on the board. Like I don't based on that Matt, Matt, Matt Nagy offense and what they needed losing Trey Burton and needing to get that kind of tight end back. I, why else would they have drafted him in the second round and passed over some of the guys that were available unless they saw him as the dynamic you tight end. Like that's crazy to me. If they did, if they drafted it at freaking why tight end in the second round where they did, then that's just malpractice. And the only thing I guess I would say to that, and, and I think you're right in terms of his athleticism and playmaking ability, but but I also think if you, like I use this with, uh, I talked about this with Ryan earlier today. I mean, Cooper Cup did zilch today because Stafford didn't play. So so the quarterback play in the offensive scheme matters a lot. Mm-hmm. So to me, you start to really assess Komet kind of this year, now that we've got a quarterback that, is proficient and an offense that's beginning to be proficient. And so even though I, I don't, he's just not there yet in terms of like the body of work from the entire season, I don't think he's top 10. Uh, I think, I think the, the arrow is pointing up on combat. Yeah, no, I agree with that guys. And I think Kyle Rudolph is his stealing. I think that's how they should be using him. And I think that's how they are finally using him, but that's not, I don't know. That's not a second round tight end for me. I'm just, maybe I'm more pissed at pace for, drafting him where they did and kind of the expectations, but I patiently waited my turn like a good boy, because I really wanted to jump in with this. Ryan Pace drafted him in the second round because he's an overcorrector. The 2019 tight ends were historically bad. So what did they do? They threw a ton of money at the aging corpse of Jimmy Graham and then selected Cole Komet (laughs) with their first pick because that's what Ryan Pace did. That's why we're in the situation that we've been in. Okay. Like, that's why. So I don't know the expectation about using him as a U tight end. I do think maybe like somebody like George Kittle, who's really good as a run blocker, but can also pass catch. Maybe that was kind of the comp. But all that being said, right now, in terms of production, and I'm lumping in like all of tight ends here. I'm not just talking about pass catching. I'm talking about run blocking. I will say, yes, he is a top 10 tight end in terms of production. His run blocking has gotten much better. You can't argue with the fact that the Bears have the best rushing offense in the NFL and one of the best rushing offenses in league history at this point. And he's doing better as a pass catcher. Now, you guys both said it. I think part of his success or production is a case of the environment. You have to have plays and opportunities to actually thrive in. So that is helping him kind of reach that ceiling like you talked about. But I think all, all things considered with some of the injuries going on, I mean, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, those guys are hurt. I think that, yeah, he's got the the top – he's he's top 10 producing right now. I'm going to say false, but I think he's just outside. I, I mean, maybe top 12, top 15 for sure. And his ability to block combined with the five touchdowns in three games – I mean, I, I don't know what more you can ask for a tight end to do. Now, now, Shells, I I I totally get what you're saying. He could definitely be doing more, but I again I don't you know know how many times he's gotten the opportunity to do that stuff in the early parts of the season. He wasn't he had like one target, you know? And the other thing is 
dude is getting open. So I know you're saying he's catching wide open passes, but he's also finding a way to get open at times. So you have to give him some credit for that. And the last thing I'll say is the first touchdown, that was not an easy catch. That was a go up and get it ball. And I know you're saying that it was wide open. Bro had to go up and get it. And honestly, like, I'm not saying he's God's gift to tight ends, but I'll tell you right now, I would much rather have Cole Komet than a lot of the other bums that we have had on this team for a while. He hits you with the, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you I, what. Yeah. I'm going to take issue with the he's getting open. He is being schemed he open. Is I, he's getting not open. Well, no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, yes, he's open. He, he's catching he's, the ball. It's because he's open. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's being schemed open. He's not the kind of guy that can get open on his own. That's my gripe. That's like my. That's what I want to see out of that kind of tight end position. I, 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 but again, like when they get a legit tight end and think of how much more effective he's going to be when he's like the third or fourth option and they're not expecting him to be, you know, the second or third option. Real quickly, you mentioned Kyle Rudolph as a ceiling. Uh, we've talked about that comp, I think, a ton on this show. Second round tight end also, two-time Pro Bowler perfect for like 650 yards and eight touchdowns a season. That's, that's a successful pick. I mean, we can talk about overdrafting and everything that's, that's valid because of the other uh, issues that were on the roster. But once you have them on your roster, you take that production, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would take that production. And I, I, again, they're using him correctly this year, right? Like they are, they're using him in a way that fits his skill set. Okay. But I just, I don't know. Do you guys agree that the tight end position needs to be upgraded next year? Or do you think, no. are you happy going in with Cole Komet as your guy? They have so many other holes in this team. I, I'm saying, could you, if you get another tight end, is that awesome? Sure. Yeah, that's great. Let's have another pass catching tight end somewhere down the line. But I would much rather see resources being spent on other parts of the the game when, you know, if he ends up with like, let's just say eight or nine touchdowns this season, <laughs> I don't know what much more you can ask for for a tight end that isn't Travis Kelsey. The other thing I would push back on is I think part of the tight end's position is that you are schemed open. I mean, defenses forget about tight ends. That's purposeful. You run the ball, you pound the ball, and then you run play action pass. They forget about him. They don't chip him off the line, and he gets to sneak behind the defense completely wide open I, I do think more than any other position in terms of a pass catching player on the field that is a part of the tight end position is to get lost forgotten about and be wide open so i i, I would push back a little bit on that shells all right boys last one uh this is from our very good friend tj brooks tj how are you buddy we hope you're doing well Eddie Jackson is this team's defensive MVP this season. Let's go Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. That's a really, really good question. And probably before this game, I would have said yes, for sure. I'll still say true, but that kind of took a hit today because I don't think anybody in the secondary had a good game, Eddie Jackson included. Yeah, he could have had an interception at the end of the first half to pad his stats. He was really mad at DeAndre Houston Carson for tipping that away. I, I, I'm not taking anything away from Jackson. He's had a much better season. He's bounced back 
before this game, quarterbacks had a rating of 67 when targeting him. That was down from like 143 last year. So, and I had a few people in my mentions try to argue that. And just, I was just saying, no, he's been bad last year. He's been much better this year. So yes, I'd say right now he is the defensive MVP. Although we can't have many more performances like we saw today from the entire secondary. Otherwise that's going to go down the drain. Who else is in the conversation? If I went false and said Brisker, because Brisker has 55 tackles and Jackson has 65, while we know that Jackson has four interceptions, Brisker still has an interception, but also has three sacks. I don't know. I mean, I think that'd be pretty darn close. If you're going to go 1A and 1B, you might be okay on that particular argument, because I do think Brisker is one of those players who's incredibly versatile all over the field, a ball hawk, and has made a huge difference on the defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say false. This defense doesn't deserve an MVP. False. Yeah, that's it? That's where you're going to That's it. Yeah. yeah. No... Play better. Play better. I'll go pound sand. There's no MVP. We're not giving out participation trophies. True. Yeah, Jack, I think you you, you stole it. I was going to say, who else are you going to pick? I don't think there's really anybody else to pick. All right, boys, let's go around the horn. Things that we missed about this particular game. Let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. It's just kind of a funny thing. Like, I'll, I'll go right back to Eddie Jackson, and I was reading his tweet or his uh, 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 quote. Uh, somebody tweeted, I can't remember who it was, but quoted him as saying, you know, how awful they felt for letting the offense down and the offense was doing their thing and Justin Fields was balling and the defense was letting him down. It's just like maybe chuckle because I can't even remember how many times we heard that about the offense saying defense balled out today. The defense played great. They turned the ball over. They held the team to 12 points and the offense just couldn't get it done. And it just feels like a bizarro world that we're now hearing the defense say that we can't live up to the offense's performance and expectations and help them out. Um, I don't know. Like I remember a time where that's kind of all I wanted was a day where the defense would be like, we're not worthy of this offense, <laughs> but now I, I kind of want them to stop playing like shit um, and just be like mediocre. And I, this team would be pretty damn good. Ah, it takes you back to the Mel Tucker era. Doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Why I drink it. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, college was a fun time for me at least, you know, so I got that going (laughs) back 10 years ago. Uh, Okay. So a couple things I mentioned the linebackers as a whole, when we were talking about Jack Sanborn, but I want to call out specifically Joe Thomas right off the gate, Joe Thomas, two pass deflections. He had two tackles, both of them solo, Thought he had a nice game. And I love seeing the fact that he was able to read Goff. And man, I really thought he could have had an interception on like the first pass play the Lions had. But also I thought Nicholas Murrow had a much better game as well. He had a few tackles for loss. He had three of them, six total tackles. Just a good bounce back game from the linebackers specifically. Um, Thought it was interesting that Nikhil Harry was inactive. Uh, Byron Pringle came back, wasn't all that effective. He had one catch. And I just think... With what we've seen from Nikhil Harry earlier this season, he had the touchdown against the Cowboys. Would like to see him active instead of, I don't know, maybe instead of Byron Pringle, but there's a way you can fit him on the roster. And I don't know, maybe it's time for Equinemius St. Brown to sit down a couple times. No way Bayless Jones is getting back anytime soon. That's that much is clear. Uh, But just thought that was interesting. And then really just minor thing. 
after having Kevin Harlan and Trent Green last week, really, really didn't like the announcers this week. I think Kevin Kugler's okay. Mark Sanchez is okay, but just a huge step down. They got guys' names wrong. They kept calling Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown for some reason. They didn't know Nikhil Harry was inactive. I thought Sanchez's, some of his breakdowns were good, but I don't know. I just thought it wasn't as as sharp as what we had last week. Good call on Mark Sanchez. I thought, boy, this guy's had a fall from grace, hasn't he? He is a, a handsome man. I'll give him that. He's a well-dressed, handsome man. Former Bears uh, backup quarterback, too. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Both the, the unhealthy inactives and the healthy scratches were interesting. Like, you mentioned Harry, right? You mentioned... Uh, that uh, Valus Jones, uh, what are they going to do with Borum? I mean, that's that's fascinating that from right tackle starting to uh, IDK. Um, and then Jenkins right before the game, that was quite a bombshell. I know he's been struggling with some back issues, but I don't think anybody would have expected. Uh, we didn't hear any reporting that he was just not going to play today. Um, you know, I think we give credit to the kicker when the kicker is good and wins the game, and the kicker was bad today. I don't have a lot of time to talk about kickers, but damn it, Santos, make the extra point. And then we're tied, and then maybe we go into overtime, and damn it, Santos, don't kick the ball out of bounds on a kickoff. I mean, I, okay, the wins are tough, yada, yada, but be better, man. Like, I just, I'll be maybe a little bit harsh on him, but I just, I ugh, like, come on. I don't want to lose because of a kicker, and I know there was other factors, but... Jack, maybe we win because Dan Campbell with his meathead brain wants to go for two and they don't get it. Excellent point. And he would do that probably. And they had the honey badger. I don't understand how Chase Claypool gets how many passes thrown his way, you know, with less than a week preparation. And then this week he gets two passes thrown his way. You know, one is an eight-yard reception, and the other one was just a bad ball by Justin Fields. I mean, I understand you—you you got to bring the guy on slowly. I do understand that, but but that just—I I don't know what they're doing with their wide receivers right now. I just don't get it. And you guys have already talked about the the moving dudes around into different places, but I I just I don't get it. I don't understand. Ryan, one thing on Chase Claypool, that play that he caught the ball on, that was a pitch pass too. That was well, that was designed for him. He didn't actually, he only had one target when Fields was actually dropping back. It's wild. Can I say one quick thing on that? It's tough to bring in a wide receiver and develop chemistry with a veteran quarterback, let alone a a young quarterback who's trying to feel his way through the offense. I think that's going to take a lot more time than maybe we hoped. I think we we saw Fields doing great and we're like, oh, great, a shiny toy. This is going to be an explosion. And I just think it's going to take some time. No, Shells, I, I think that's, an, that's a very, very, very valid point. But dude had way more plays last week with significantly less time than he did this week. I just don't I don't get it, especially with I don't know how much you guys have heard about the really cool things that Luke. Getsy has been able to do with technology and basically like recording. Uh, I think there was some VR stuff that was done and it goes all the way back to when, uh, you know, like the early, early parts of camp. And they're talking about like basic designs and stuff like that. And he's able to just watch that stuff back. Yep. I think that that's awesome. And so, you know, again, I understand it's a process, but it just kind of bummed. I want to see the shiny new toy and what he can do. Oh yeah. All right, Jack, what do you got for us this week, buddy? I would like you all to rank your Chicago radio sports personalities. I'd like to know who it is. Oh, no. Power rankings. 
uh, top three, uh, you know, with uh, like your third best, then your second, then your first. If I've been vacillating, I'll ask you, would you rather go with shows or individual personalities? Which would, which would you prefer? So we're just talking on air. We're not talking guest spots. We're not talking like, we're talking like legit host or co-host of a show on Chicago sports talk radio. If there's a regular guest that, that does it for you over a regular show host, then go for mm-hmm. it. That just changed things a lot for me. Well, that's yeah. That's why I asked. Cause there <laughs> let's go, indiv- let's go individual sports personalities on Chicago sports talk radio Dang. power rankings three, two to one. Who is it? Who is it that you like best? Wow. There's a lot of co- listeners. There is some consternation happening on the other hand here. So I think I'm going to go Ryan first and then I'm going to go shells and then Brendan. And then I will go last for number three, Danny Parkins. Uh, I, I, there's just something about him that is just very, very likable. Uh, I find myself agreeing with him a lot on a lot of this, the takes that he has. I also think he doesn't take himself too seriously, and I really like that about him. Uh, number two is Lawrence Holmes. Always been a big fan of Lawrence Holmes. Uh, don't always agree with his takes, but I just think he goes about things the right way. And there's something that Cam Ellis said to us that really kind of put me in that, that he's in the number two spot, which is basically that he, he does everything that he possibly can to help his guests look as good as they possibly can and he intentionally sets them up in really cool ways and i just thought that was really good and the last one is a guy that i probably don't think that i would get along with very well but he's so good and he's so consistently good and it and it's i it's a name that is that is really it's gonna irk some people but brad biggs when i'm driving to work in the morning it's you know it's about 7 a.m when i'm when i'm in my car uh headed to work and he is so consistently good and there are so many good points that he brings up dude knows football he never gets too high and too low yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a fan of the of what he brings to the table with football brad biggs talks football with you I really wish I could expand this list to five because I consume so much Chicago sports talk radio. I think everybody has a really distinct voice, opinions, all of that. I'll play by the rules and stick to three, but I want to give an honorable mention to Jeff Dickerson. Before he passed, Jeff was by far my favorite Bears reporter. His his insights, his just candoredness, the way he got along with everybody at ESPN 1000, I loved it. So he's on my honorable mentions list, obviously. Number three, and I'm not pandering, I swear to God, but number three is Mark Grody. Not only for his Bears insight, but he's so freaking funny and just an oddball kind of guy that I love listening to when he guests uh, guest spots, when he's hosting. I just, I really like his opinions. I really like how he runs a show too. And he's just a really, he's a joy to listen to. My number two, I'm going to go Lawrence Holmes as well. I, I really miss Lawrence having his show i thought he he was kind of able to run things his own way and i know he's doing well with dan bernstein but lawrence on his own just some of his opinions i think are fantastic and kind of the same way with mark i love how he just brings in star wars and marvel to certain aspects of his conversations me being a big nerd that's really fun for me but yeah just him being around the sports so much uh, being a former bears beat reporter or a reporter love what he does and then number one, it, it easily Mark Silverman. 
uh, Sylvie, Sylvie and I have developed, I'd say a pretty good friendship over the last 10 years. Syl- Waddle and Sylvie was the first show I've ever listened to for Chicago sports. I didn't know that a local sports radio like that, a local sports radio show existed. And I, I'll tell a story real quick. I was in my first internship in college, freshman year. And I'm telling you guys, the building, the office space we were in, it looked like something out of office space. It was so depressing. And I literally kept asking my coworkers, how do you guys do this every day? Like, this is going to be hell for me. And I started listening to podcasts as I was working to pass the time. And Waddle and Sylvie was the first one I really fell in love with. So they kind of got me through college and just ever since then. And uh, like I said, Sylvie and I have developed a friendship, but I love the way that he kind of really connects with the Chicago fan. He was a Chicago fan growing up. And I just think he and Waddle have insane chemistry. I love it. This is, this is such a good question. And I, I hate you that you didn't give us more time to think about it because I, I, I feel like this is going to be so unprepared and I'm shooting from the hip. Um, but I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go Yurko number three. I don't know why the guy makes me laugh constantly. He's got wild opinions, but the thing about him is like a lot of his opinions that I hear and I go, that's absolutely crazy. And then like the more I think about it or the more time I give, it starts to come to fruition and I go, holy crap, Yurko was right. Um, And I I know some of his opinions kind of seem like they're kind of out of nowhere, but they end up being right more times than not. And, uh, like I said, he makes me laugh. So I, I got to go Yurko number three. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Lawrence Holmes too as well. Uh, I agree with you. I, I really enjoyed him by himself. I think he's true. I think he's genuine. I think he's honest to himself. Um, I think he will give you an, an honest, unvarnished opinion, whether you like it or not. And he doesn't pander to any part of the fan base. And he can back up his opinions with, um, a, a really good mixture of, of opinion analysis and uh, interaction with his, with his guests. So I'm going to go him number two and then out of nowhere, this is going to be wild that, that I'm throwing this guy in here, but uh, cause he's not like a, um, a mainstay, but he has a spot on ESPN 1000. And every time he's on, I'm like, Holy crap. Not only was that spot on, not only was it brilliant, but I learned a lot more about football, and that's Dan Durkin. Um, he, his spots on ESPN are great. His breakdowns on Twitter are great. Every time I, I – again, every time I hear him, he just breaks he – he has an uncanny ability of breaking down football into pretty simple terms for the average person to understand why something did or did not work. Uh, and that is kind of like the point of – sports talk radio is, is giving your listeners um, information that they can digest in an easy way and understand uh, and, and be better consumers of the product that they're consuming. And so um, he's going to be number one for me, just, just for that reason alone. Uh, I would just mention that of all of the guys that you mentioned, the one who would not make my list, not even close would be Yurko. that dude. I can't take guys that yell and bluster and I don't know what the H they're talking about. And you're probably right when he is making points. He's an intelligent guy. And I, you're right about that. But, man, the minute somebody starts yelling or talking over people, I am out every time. That's a huge peeve of mine. Interesting about Dan Durkin. He's, he's my third. You've heard me say, and I've tweeted it out before. I wish we could get him on. He is 
excellence. Like you said, Shells, I love talking X's and O's and geeking out on the specific techniques, schemes, positioning, alignment, assignment. He, he's, you know, when a guy's talking out of his arse, he's not talking out. He knows exactly what he's talking about, and he explains it so incredibly well. Every time you listen on his days, you learn a ton. And then two and one are going to be Waddle and then Sylvie for me. I mean, I like you, Brennan. I think like all of us, we I consume a lot of sports talk radio, and. I'll tell you what, they just, uh, they make me laugh so much. Sylvie is a great host. I feel like he keeps that show moving. His teases are excellent. His humor is excellent. His takes are excellent. And and the two of them just pair so well together. Uh, They're fun. They're funny. I don't know if you heard uh, Sylvie talking about his junior high experience the other day, but it was just gut busting funny. And I just don't remember... There's not, I will listen to it in the car, get out, and then tell my device to keep playing it so I can listen in the house. That's how much I like those guys. So that's how I'll roll it. Can I tell a real quick funny story about uh, Waddle? Like there was a, in the apartment complex across from my house, there was a giant bush. On Saturdays, that bush was Rocket (laughs) Ishmael. And on Sundays, it was Tom Waddle. And uh, on Sundays, I was Jim Harbaugh would throw touchdown passes to to Tom Waddle across the street. So you had great hands, Tom. Um, I think you had like 187 touchdowns over the course of my childhood. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, just a little little peek behind the curtain. I thought you were going to say you pissed in the bush every night because that's what he does. <laughs> he does. He likes to pee on lawns. Yeah. <laughs> and they are great in person too, Brendan. I know you've met them a couple of times out, Waddle and Sylvie. If you go meet them at one of their remotes, they are so accessible. Super cool guys. They are. Yeah. My, my first memory of Tom Waddle, he walked into the bathroom. He's like, Oh, this is where all the dicks hang out. Huh? And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) that's, that's Tom Waddle. Okay. All right, boys. Been a fun episode despite a not fun bears loss for shout outs this week. Let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. I've got one quick one. Uh, Dan Dundas. I think he's at one in Dundas. Um, not just because we agree on on a lot of things, but uh, he always tweets out stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, you said it a lot better than I could have said it." And um, and so I'm going to give my shout out to Dan. All right, my shout out goes to our guy Ant at Bears Cork on Twitter. Ant just had his second child. I talked with him a little bit while he was in town for the Washington Commanders Bears game. He was so excited. And hopefully it sounds like, you know, everything went as smooth as possible, which is good. But uh, shout out to Ant. He seems like he's over the moon being a girl dad, his second one. And, you know, now he's got both kids that and have entered the world that where Justin Fields is their quarterback. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So shout out to you, Ant. Hope you and your entire family are doing well. It's nice how this works out sometimes because I don't usually have as many, but I've got a little more this time. I'll try to go fast, Ryan, I promise. The Sycamore Spartans are 12-0. They beat Sterling 28 to nothing. They are two games away from winning the state championship. They will take on Nazareth Academy next Saturday. The Sycamore Spartans don't let their opponents score any points, and that uh, really helps them win games. They're so fun to watch. So shout-out to the Spartans. Shout-out to my son, Connor, and my son, Jack. 
Adam Rank and Homage hooked me up with a, one of the most ridiculously sweet jackets that you could ever imagine. This uh, brilliant throwback starter jacket, Chicago Bears. I tweeted it out. So uh, I know we, we do give a lot of credit to Adam Rank, but I think he deserves it, uh, especially... Um, you know, especially for that that giveaway, that was just really, really, really nice. Um, I want to shout out Justin Eddy. Uh, he's a, a super cool dude who said uh, of our podcast uh, today, been a real fun season listening to your podcast. You guys are all great. Love the chemistry and game breakdowns and the fantastic professional Bears fan analysis. Keep it up. So shout out to you, Justin. Thank you so much for that. Shout out to my dad, who would have been 92 today. Uh, Jack and I had an awesome opportunity to be on the Roar of the Lions podcast. I wish those guys liked a team other than the Detroit Lions, because I would like to hang out and talk with them on a pretty regular basis. Jack, we had a lot of fun, didn't we, dude? We laughed a lot. We joked a lot. And uh, yeah, they're, they're good dudes. Oh, we also got to trash on uh, Aaron Rodgers' three interceptions against the worst defense in the league. So thank you guys for that. Um, I also want to give a shout out to, uh, so Jack and I were talking about this a little bit. The York Dukes are also 12 and 0, but they're in a different uh, division. Essentially, they're they're a much bigger high school than Sycamore is. And so uh, they're also two games away. So Mike Fitzgerald, uh, I'm not going to keep saying things on Twitter about you, but uh, I'm thrilled for you, dude. And it's it's fun to see. And the last two uh, go partially because it's Brendan's fault uh, that we, you know, I got tagged in a song, something along the lines, I'm hot and I'm cold or whatever. And it's just been kind of my theme song forever. So he put that out there. So uh, Allison, who is at ABQ Bears Girl 89 and Angie at Hockey Girl 3784. We had some fun interactions back and forth on that one. So thank you ladies very much. For all of you who are listening to the Bear Down Chicago podcast, thank you so much. Uh, we've uh, we've been having a lot of blast uh, talking about how awesome Justin Fields is over the last couple of weeks, and uh, the numbers definitely reflect that. And we want to say thank you. If you're a first time listener, thank you so much. Please tell a friend, uh, let them know. Uh, if you want to rate this podcast as five star wherever you're listening to it, that would do a lot for us. Please share this podcast uh, if, if you're willing to do so. For all of us here at the Bear Down Chicago Podcast, thank you so much for that. It's Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, Logan Bradley. I'm Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so much. And as always, Bear Down Chicago.